Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Wednesday, August 22nd. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson, and thank God, Will, thank God it's almost over. <laughs> Do you feel like you've been watching some sort of TV show where this final season of it has been absolutely no good, but you're like, I've watched it so far, I feel like I just have to stick with it till the end? I just yeah. need to see what happens in the final episode. Exactly. I mean, you famously watched 10 seasons of Smallville, never quite enjoying any of it, but you got to a point where it's like, I can't turn back. So that's definitely how I feel. This season has been, my entire football supporting lifestyle has been been 40 seasons of Smallville. (laughs) (laughs) Where they promise a lot. But they, yeah. like literally in the final episode, they put him in a cape for like one second. Yeah. Like, round, oh, about, God. round about season 34 or 35, it looked really good. It looked like something was going to happen. It got really exciting, but no, no, it went back to shit. And then the really hot girl from it turns out to have been in a sex cult and been trying to recruit people into their sex cult. Uh, speaking of St. Kilda Legends, Brendan Goddard uh, not offered uh, an extension on his contract. Um, St Kilda have come out and said they will not, uh, most likely will not. That's not a categorical denial, but most likely will not uh, get him down to the Saints. Do you think anyone should take a punt on BJ? I I think he should go back to St Kilda. You know that I've been a return to principles guy with St Kilda. I say BJ goes back, I say Grant Thomas goes back, and I say they go back to Seaford. You know it's been my plan all along, Charlie. Melbourne have failed me at the final hurdle, so all I have left in my bank for this season is the hope that St Kilda might go back to (laughs) Seaford. Well, I think uh, St Kilda's uh, trade and draft strategy, uh, we've discussed it in the last few weeks, and I I feel like while most recruiters are out watching, you know, uh, uh, junior junior football games and stuff, we're going to the AFL Legends game with our binoculars and going, oh, that Derek Kickett looks pretty good. (laughs) Might get him down to the sights. Yeah. Yeah, Travis Cloak's still in pretty good nick. In fact, he looks like he's in better nick than he was. Let's get Travis Cloak down to Seaford. This uh, Bill Brownless seems to be okay. (laughs) Maybe put him in the forward line. Seems the love of Frothy. And he's fun to have around. And he's not welcome at Geelong anymore since he called them all lazy. So, perfect opportunity. Who's this strawny character? Maybe we'll put him in the forward pocket. That'd be the ultimate. If St. Yeah. Kilda announced, they've gone, look, we couldn't really land any of the big fish. Turns out that Shield didn't want to come. Turns out that Hanabry didn't want to come. But we have signed to a six-year, million-dollar-a-year <laughs> deal. Strawny. Yeah. Pete Alley has to come out and say, guys, I actually, he's not a real person. He's a character. No, 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 no. Eight no, years. No, no. <laughs> they trump the Buddy Franklin 10-year deal. Every time Pete Elliott tries to tell them that if Strawny's not a real person, they just keep upping the money. Yeah. They're like, he's negotiating. He's negotiating yeah. hard. We need somebody with a media personality. I mean, we've got to get Strawny involved. You know his mate is on the project every night. That'll be good publicity for the club. 
Guys, I don't know how many times I can tell you. My name is Pete Hellier. I'm a comedian. Strawny's a character I haven't even done really for four or five years. Oh, I see how this. Reach, reach 15 years. Well, what a round. What a round of football. Did you see many of the games? It was a good round of football, surprisingly. Okay, let's start with the elephant in the room. Let's okay. start with Melbourne because, All you right. know, the Melbourne supporters oh. are stuck with this podcast. They deserve, you know, to hear me eat humble pie a little bit at the start of this, Charlie. But I'll tell you what, that humble pie I'm eating at uh, halfway through the third quarter, the final quarter, when after leading all day, uh, Mel- West Coast made a run towards Melbourne and our favourite player... Mark Lacroix, the Frenchman, kicked that goal that put West Coast in front. And I've got to be honest with you, Charlie. I was laying on the couch watching that with the dogs, and I made with my fingers that Mr. Burns excellence. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, here it is. This is exactly what I wanted to see. Well, it was funny because the only reason I tuned into that game was because of you. I'm like, well, you know what? Like, I'm quite happy if Melbourne make the finals. Like, those supporters have suffered long enough. But wouldn't it be amazing if they capitulated? But no, good good on Melbourne. 11 years in the wilderness and now they're back playing finals. Does that just mean like a bigger disappointment is waiting for them next week? I mean, there's potentially that. I mean, there's potentially that thing where, you know, Richmond made the finals for the first time in ages and they went over to Port Adelaide and Trent Cotchin was like, you know what, we should kick into this seven-goal breeze. And mm. then they disappointedly got flayed. There is that potential for Melbourne still. I mean, they could finish fourth and go straight set out. That'd be, you know, very uh, <laughs> Melbourne-y, very disappointing. But I've got to be honest with you, Charlie. I feel like now that they've overcome their demons, uh. as I said last week, it literally overcome their demons. As I said last week, that West Coast game might be a springboard to that maybe them being the team that is the Bulldogs, is the Richmond, is that team that has promised a lot and then makes a run deep into the finals. I I enjoyed watching them play and I thought they showed a lot to be in that position where they must have been thinking, oh shit, here mm. we go again. Yeah. And they overcame that and I, I, it was cool. It was nice to see. And I'm glad it happened like that. I'm glad it didn't happen in just some, they were ahead for like 30 points all game and it was a, I, I'm glad that they got to that point where it could have been so disappointing and mm. they overcame that. That's a good storyline. And incrementally, if you look at their progress, they didn't make finals last year. So this is this year can only be qualified as a success, right? Sorry, I, I shouldn't agree. ask you I shouldn't ask you a question right when you're taking a sip of your delicious drink. No, I agree, Charlie. I absolutely agree with you that this season to them is a I think you've got to say this is a good season regardless. In the same way as Collingwood. You know, they've got enough injuries mm. of good players, Melbourne and Collingwood, to say, well, making finals is a lot. Depending on how the finals shake down, who knows how they're going to go. But I think regardless of what the result is from here on in, you go, that's a successful season. So congratulations to them. And you know what, Charlie? I enjoyed watching them play on the weekend. And I don't think it's just because Bug wasn't playing. I think it's <laughs> mostly because Bug wasn't playing. But... <laughs> Well, if if that's the if Collingwood and Melbourne are the are the well not the good luck stories if they're if they're the heartwarming stories, what do you say about Port Adelaide and Essendon? Like Port Adelaide in particular, because Adelaide and S Port Adelaide and Essendon over the off season uh, loaded up on kind of mature top up kind of players who should really improve a list, but they didn't make the finals. Now Essendon, I feel like you can sort of give them just cut them a bit of slack, but. 
you've got to start to wonder about Port Adelaide now. Like, how many years has it been since that breakout year? Was that four years ago? And then they've just sort of been middling ever since. And it seems like nothing they try. I know they've had injuries, but Collingwood's had injuries. Melbourne's had injuries. They still are making finals. Where do you, where do you put Port Adelaide now? Well, here's the thing, Charlie. I wonder if in I wonder if I'm like a girl from one of those sort of John Hughes-esque, you know, 80s, you know, movies where there's been this like hot guy that I've been trying to mold into the perfect guy for me, and that's mm-hmm. Melbourne. And the whole time I've been trying to, you know, mold Melbourne into this, you know, dream person, this ideal person, when the ideal person has been there staring me in the face the whole time. If you're looking at seasons that promised everything and then disappointed their fans, Port Adelaide and Essendon have both yeah, put in seasons that are major contenders for that. Yeah. And what about Ken Hinckley? Like, Koshy's come out and said he's safe. But is it one of those things where you're like, oh, geez, man. Like, you've had all the ingredients for four years. And I understand you've had injuries and stuff, but other teams have had injuries. Is it maybe thing if you just rejig it, you get someone else in? I don't think so. I think that people like Ken Hinckley and they think he's a good You coach. like Ken Hinckley. <laughs> And that's really, I guess, what I'm saying, Charlie, is I like Ken Hinckley, and I assume that everybody feels the same as I do about everything. Of all the kind of, like, you know, fairly decent GOP players, you have a strange affection for Ken Hinckley. Mate, he came second or third in the Brownlow one year. He wasn't just a good ordinary player. He nearly won a Brownlow. Did he really? Okay, yeah. Michael, can you bring up the uh, Ken Hinckley Wikipedia page? I feel like... I feel like we need to do a bit of a deep dive on Ken Hinckley because my impression of him was he was just that halfback flanker from Geelong. He's halfback flank, right? I think that you will find that, yeah, he was a halfback flanker, never never had a man. Like one right. of those classic, you know, modern day halfback flankers before his time a bit. Just a guy who ran around in the back line collecting kicks, basically. But yeah. I, I'm sure that, okay, let's go through it. Okay. So Ken Hinckley, born 30th of September, 1966. Good year. Good year, that. Uh, currently the senior Port Adelaide coach. Okay, playing career. Hinckley was recruited from Camperdown, started his league career as a forward at Fitzroy. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. But played his best football with Geelong, where he was used as a rebounding defender. There you go. He walked out of Fitzroy in 1988 and asked for clearance to Geelong. He stood out of uh, football for the rest of the 1988 season before being traded to Geelong in 1989. So he's a man of principle, Will. Yeah, and his principle was, I don't want to play for this shit football team anymore. Get me out of here. I'm he was willing the- to move to Geelong rather than Fitzroy, the hippest, hottest place in all of Melbourne. I'm going to move to Geelong. He's the original Ken McCarthy. Uh, so before I go, I've got some club stats for you. So, okay, he was... He's 185 centimetres tall, so six foot one, weighs about 80 kilos. Uh, he played 11 games for Fitzroy and played 121 for Geelong. So 132 games in total. That's funny. I would have thought he played more. Yeah, I would have tw- said he played more than that as well. 21 goals at Fitzroy and 58 at Geelong. Um, okay, so he walked out walked out on Fitzroy. Halfback flanker in the 1991-1992 All-Australian teams, Hinckley also won the Kaji Greaves medal as Geelong's best and fairest player in the 1992 AFL season. In that same year, he finished third at the Brownlow medal count behind Scott Wind and Hawthorne's Jason Dunstall. I mean, Will, this is, this is just intriguing me even further. This guy played not even 200 games. <laughs> like... By all estimations, he's new Australian a couple of times, but that's you know it's a fairly middling career. But you knew exactly where he finished in the Brownlow. Twice all Australian, third in the Brownlow. That's a pretty good career, Charlie. Um, here's why: Scott Wind won that year, so I would right. have been paying 
lots more attention to the Brownlow that year because Scott Wine, who was a Bulldogs player, won the Brownlow. So that's probably why it sticks in my head. He appeared in 12 finals with Geelong, including the 92, 94 and 95 grand final losses. Do you want to know about his coaching career? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, he retired at the end of 1995. He joined the Hampton, H-A-M-P-D-N, not Hampton, Hampden Football League. Uh, uh, to coach Mortlake, where he remained for three seasons. He then returned to Camperdown and steered his former club to back-to-back flags in 99 and 2000 as the former captain coach. We love a captain coach on this show. Yes. In fact, maybe we're we're saying that Ken Hinckley not only should coach next year, but (laughs) put the boots back on. Pull the boots back on. Uh, St Kilda acquired his services as an assistant coach in 2001 but the following year he took up the role of senior coach at Bell Park in the Geelong Football League and oversaw a premiership in 2003 so in his amateur coaching career he was just racking up the flags left right and centre he well, resumed... that's the Luke Beveridge model right you go, right. you go back to a lower league and you get some experience running a club and taking them to premierships he resumed his AFL coaching career in 2004 as an assistant to Bomber Thompson. At the end of the 2009 season, Hinkley was announced as the assistant coach of the Gold Coast Suns franchise. Ah. Hinkley is also interviewed for Richmond, Geelong and St Kilda's senior coaching positions, but was unsuccessful. So he was under Bomber Thompson in that kind of premiership era. So 2004 to 2009 Geelong. So the dude's got pedigree, right? Yep. He comes to Port Adelaide in 2013. Uh, he was announced at the senior coach at the end of 2012, making him the first coach not to be associated with the club before, uh, making him the first coach that has not been associated with the club before since Foz Williams. Who's Foz Williams? Yeah. Uh, so, well, so what they're saying there is that Port Adelaide never had a coach who wasn't a Port Adelaide former yeah. great until but, Ken Hinckley. But Foz Williams, was he a South Australian legend or something? Sounds like it. Yeah, you know, the Fonz. What's, what's he, Foz? He was South Australia's the Fonz. What's Foz he just, His Hang officer on. was a toilet at the club. Uh, he used to get the theme song to play by kicking the jukebox. And he always said, hey, good victory. Uh, his name was Foster. Foz for short, F-O-S. Oh, that's cool. I don't know you could call your kid Foster. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna, once call I have a kid. Whatever you want. <laughs> In his debut season coaching port he led them to 13 wins which included an elimination final win at the mcg against collingwood before being eliminated by geelong in a close game a weekend later this came uh, to a surprise as many port to many at port adelaide as they'd only won eight games the previous two seasons combined for his impressive season hinkley was voted as coach of the year so fuck man he really hit the ground running in 2013 a year later... For despite- a guy that you don't rate at all, he's been twice All-Australian. He's won like 18 country premierships. <laughs> he's uh, gone, come third in a Brownlow medal and he was AFL Coach of the Year one year. A year later, despite predictions... All right, stop defending your boyfriend. I understand you love Ken Hinckley. <laughs> a year later, despite predictions that many by many that Port Adelaide would miss the finals, Hinckley led the club to a prelim finals finish. Having finished the minor rounds in fifth place on the ladder, the power defeated Richmond and Fremantle in the first two finals before eventually losing to eventual premiers Hawthorne. So his first two years were outstanding. But then the power disappointingly missed the finals in 2015 and 2016 before returning in 2017 only to be eliminated in the first week uh, against the Eagles that after, the kick, uh, after the siren kick. Hinkley's contract with Port Adelaide is set to expire at the end of 2021 after extending his contract for another three years in 2018. So, okay, I guess it's only been two years that they haven't played finals. So he's he's safe. Yeah, I think the problem with Port is that people feel like they have more potential than they've realised. I think that he has a pretty good record, but they just think that perhaps Port has been an underperforming team for whatever reasons. Do you think that the general 
like if you compare it to sort of the Hawthorne era, so like so let's say 2015, do you think the standard, the general standard of the AFL is as good or are teams not as good? Uh, um, mm, I mean, Hawthorne, were the, Hawthorne are the benchmark. Uh, Richmond getting into Hawthorne. I mean, obviously it's too early to tell. They're not a triple premiership team yet. But in terms of being well, league leaders... To us, they're not. But if you're talking to fucking Richmond supporters, they might as well be. <laughs> but they love each other, Will. Oh, they mate. love each other. How much do they love each other? Just big cuddles all around. In fact, I imagine if you go down to training at Punt Road, it's just they're more like cuddling. Well, how's this, Charlie? I was listening to the Nova Breakfast Show in Melbourne uh, the other day, which, look, you know, is a competitor of mine, but, like, I really like their show. And um, uh, Jack Rewalt has a regular segment on that show, Mm. and he just brought um, our mate uh, Jack Higgins in. Oh, did he? Just brought him in. Yeah, right. But for no reason. They hadn't invited him in. Jack and Jack just went into the radio together to do a spot together because you know why, Charlie? Because they're all the best friends in they the entire world. And well, how was Jack Higgins? Was he good on radio? Yeah, he was funny. I, I mean, look, here's the thing. He's pretty he's pretty new and loose and unpolished. He's an unpolished gem. I get mm. the impression that, you know, that joke that he tells to the boys? Look, it may not be a joke. That he may just talk and they laugh at him <laughs> is what I... We're not laughing with you, Jack. We're laughing at you, directly at you. Well, we're laughing with you, but we're laughing with you by laughing at you. Like we are, like we love you and we're glad you're here. But what you're saying makes no sense and that's what makes it funny to us. (laughs) Uh, Did you see uh, any of the Richmond-Essendon game? It was quite close. I did watch a little bit of it, yeah. I um, dozed a little on the couch through bits of it, but... I get the feeling, because like Richmond have been run close in a few games now, I feel like they're maybe doing the uh, notorious training loads at the moment. It feels like they're at that end of the season where it's like, they're just they're not like blowing those teams away. Like remember how they were like no one can stay with Richmond. It feels like they're taking their foot off the pedal a little bit. But I'm 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 putting it down to training loads. I don't know what that means or what that refers to, but I'm putting it down to training loads. Well, they're also. They're also uh, resting some players and clearly managing the way they go about it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do against the Bulldogs on the weekend because it is literally a meaningless game. Like, it is the opposite of a final shaper. It is the opposite of an eight-point game. It is a zero-point game. It means nothing. Richmond are going to finish top of the ladder regardless, and the Bulldogs are going to stay in the exact same spot on the ladder that they stay regardless of what happens in that match. So I don't even know, like how they because they've got the week off afterwards so they'll want to play but that would be the round where you would just be so worried about one of your key players getting injured and there's some part of you right that uh sees jake stringer's team not making finals it's like yeah i'm okay with that i am okay with that i'm overjoyed by that i'm glad to see it didn't work out for him you know like this is the thing i feel bad that i've been so angry at Melbourne, when Essendon were there right in front of my face. But the problem yeah. was they were so shit so early, it was hard to hate them because they were just going so terribly. And then, yeah. I mean, I think if Essendon review their season this year, the only mistake they'll think they made is that they didn't sack Mark Neal early enough. <laughs> if they'd sacked Mark Neal two or three games earlier, they'd be finalists. <laughs> Mark Neal is the cooler. Yeah, look, if you see... That, well, maybe that's what St Kilda have to do. Maybe mm. St Kilda should say, we've hired Mark Neald just so we can then sack him. Mark Neald to get yeah. the Mark Neald bounce. Yeah, exactly. So we have to hire him before the end of the season, before 
before kickoff on the weekend, we need to hire him and sack him so we can then blame the season on him. Yeah. <laughs> Does it work like that? I don't think you can respect, retrospectively kneeled your season. I oh, think I, that I think we can. The next season, you could start, like in, say, your second JLT match, you yeah. let Mark Neal coach it. You know, sometimes they let the assistants coach the games. So you let St Kilda in their second JLT match, Mark Neal coaches it, and then you sack him as, as you're walking out, as the boys are about to go through the banner for round one, Richo mm. goes out with Mark Neal standing in front of the banner and sacks him. Yes, sacks him live in the middle of the ground to inspire the boys. Like you'd see in a dictatorship, like a public execution, just a public sacking. Round one, Eddie had stadium, home ground game. The banner should just, as they lift the banner up, it should just be, you're fired. Yeah. Or Richo could just have him there in the box to fire at any stage when he needs to during a game. So you can go to the coach's box and the commentators could be, oh, hang on, who's that up the back of the box? That seems to be someone from HR at St Kilda. He's handing him some sort of... Oh, he's fired Mark Neald! He's fired Mark Neald! Brave coaching move. Um, Did you see any of the press conference from Ross Lyon after they got thumped by the Cats? Oh man! Oh, I oh, I man. saw the the famous bit of that press conference, the the, re- the rebuild where he, where he turned the tables on the reporter and asked the reporter how how long an average rebuild goes for, how how how, how many is a few years, how many is that, how long is it for? Oh really? Name me one club that's done it in three years. It's like who's asking the fucking questions here, Ross? And then he neatly ties that by saying, "Well, look, the point being, it's like nah, mate, there is no point to that." You just fucking had a hissy fit and it was all on camera. It's one of those things where I think that Ross probably, you know, he was like, clearly I'm hiding to nothing here. You know, my team's had 23 goals in a row scored against this. I'm going to cop some hard questions. Uh, I've decided that my approach to that is going to be the first one that comes out. I'm just going to go completely on the front foot. And it's the Mick Malthouse thing, right? You just, these young journalists... It's just so shit because you know what the thing is? The thing that Ross Lyon was saying was bullshit. If you Mm. were a good young journalist, you could have gone, well, the Bulldogs a couple of years ago rebuilt in two years. Richmond essentially have rebuilt in two or three years. There's plenty of examples. Hawthorne have gone through a mini rebuild in the last two years. Like fucking Limo came into the radio station the other day and he was like, oh, I'm so glad Hawthorne are going so well because my kid's nearly two and he hasn't seen a premiership yet. I mean, how can I explain that to him? Motherfucker. (laughs) <laughs> Motherfucker. I know Lemo and Michael Chamberlain have been in contact this week and they're literally texting each other, dare to dream. Like they're, they're confident they could win a flag this year and it makes me fucking sick. Yeah, I talked to Chambo today and he said he was uh, very excited about getting to go to the game on Saturday night and see the Hawks and I was like, oh my God. Like you just, it must be what it's like to be the child of a rich person, being yeah. a Hawthorne fan. Like yeah. in that you never really understood any hardship. Yeah. Like the, the most hardship you've ever had is that you had to wait until Christmas to get your jet ski. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like you could run over the mayor's son. It doesn't matter. You'll get off. No problem. You can smile as they take your mugshot because you'll be fine. It's all going to work out in the end. Yeah. They'll get a psychologist to invent some sort of new condition that means that you can, you've got affluenza. You've got premiership uenza. Like, I'm sorry, he's just seen too many premierships. He has an unrealistic expectation about how life works. 
Have you recovered from the Q clash? I mean, Charlie, I know that we have in the past perhaps made a little fun of the Q clash, but here's what I'm going to say. I think that this weekend was the the day that the Q clash became a man. Yeah. I think that is like it it was a proper Q clash. That Nick yeah. Robertson started it, which yeah. I loved when he went on radio uh, and said Mitch Robertson. No, it wasn't Mitch Robinson. It was Nick Robertson. Ah, uh, you say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> well, they're two different people. That's all. That would be a good example if tomato and tomato. It's like you say tomato, I say potato, because they're actually two different words and two different people. <laughs> Continue. So, the defense uh, yields. Chris, Chris Pagan, their coach. <laughs> yeah. No, so Nick Robertson yeah. uh, went on radio and basically said the Gold Coast Suns were soft and uh, that they shirked the contest and then uh, followed it up by saying, and I don't mind if they hear that because they're soft. And they that was great because it basically meant that the Gold Coast Suns you know, tried really hard. So it was a great game of football. Yeah, and like we've been saying all year, the Gold Coast need to embrace more razzle-dazzle. So if they bring in more WWE-style entertainment to promote their games, I'm all for it. In fact, I think they should do like a bit of mic work before the game. They should get like, uh, uh, you know, well, not Tom Lynch because he won't be there next year, but uh, get, get little Lockie Weller on the mic, on the, on the Jumbotron before the game so he can call out the opposition before they come out. Oh, Tony Cochran. What oh, are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, you get Tony Cochran. He is on the, the Vince, big screen. He's the Vince at the McMahon. Start of games. He's the Vince McMahon of the Gold Coast Suns. Oh, absolutely, he is. <laughs> and in fact, when they recruit new players, you get him to do it WWE style in the middle of the field before the matches. And you've already got like the Tuke Miller Dane Zorko rivalry. Like you can build everything off that. Did you love? You know what I noticed with that whole thing of Dane Zorko doing the you stink thing. It made me realize, like, when someone tells you you stink, it is almost, you, there's no comeback to that. Like, when someone tells you you stink, you can argue or you can, you can laugh it off, whatever, but there's always some doubt that maybe you actually do stink. <laughs> I mean, I know it's childish, but have you ever, ever had someone tell you that you stink or that your breast bad or whatever? Like, it's devastating. It really is devastating. <laughs> um, no, no, I never have. Do you get that a lot? Yeah, sometimes, like first thing in the yeah. morning, if I talk you, to my have wife. Have you ever considered it's because you stink and you have bad breath? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Would Would you have shaken Would you have shaken uh, Dane Zorko's hand? Well, wasn't the problem at the end? So, hang on. So, what's the history of this? Because I came in late on Handshake Gate. All I yeah. saw was the end of the game where yeah. there was some sort of thing over the handshake. And yeah. then he did it twice, and yeah. it was because okay, last so, time there was no handshake. Tell me the yes. story. Yeah, so the pre- previous t- time they played, Tuk Miller plays quite well on Dane Zorko, is a good tagger. And so the previous time they played, he kept him to, a, I don't know, like 15 possessions or whatever like that. And at the end of the game, went up to shake his hand and got blown off by Dane Zorko. And Dane Zorko got, got blown got off pop- by him. I mean, that's <laughs> a controversial ending to the game. And Sam Newman was upset about two Muslims shaking hands. Wait until he finds out about the fact that another player got blown off. Oh, it's political correctness gone mad. Can't they keep it out of the AFL? I just want to go to the footy without seeing a man blowing off another man. Again. <laughs> I think you've misunderstood what blowing off means. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just read it from the paper. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he copped quite a bit of shit, Dane Zorko, for being unsportsmanlike. So I think 
this time around, having got the points, well, not that he personally got the points, because I think Tuke Miller did quite a, a good job on him again, but Brisbane getting the chocolates. Dane went up kind of sarcastically to make a point of, oh, I'm going to shake your hand, I'm going to shake your hand. But obviously he was being sarcastic because, look, I'm an actor, Will, and I know bad acting when I see it. <laughs> like, that was not a genuine, let's shake my hand. Like, the way he was doing it was very much a fuck you. Would have been great in the commentary box if they have a uh, acting special comments person yeah. who is only referred to in cases where they think that the players are acting. Yeah. I mean, I think what would have been great is if Dane Zork had done the old, gone to shake his hand, but done it too slow, like put it through his hair. Ah, hey. um, I liked it and it did feel very WWE. It yeah. did feel like that sort of thing where he went for the second time going like, go on, you shake my hand, where the second time he'd shake his hand and then he'd like flip him over and smash him with his elbow or something. <laughs> I mean, there is this thing that's a constant debate in football, isn't it? It's like footballers now are robots. They don't show enough personality. But then when something like that happens, everyone gets like, oh, you know, he's being a sook or whatever. It's like, oh, hang on. What he did wasn't like, it wasn't like it, he hit a guy behind the play or whatever. He was being a bit of a brat. He was being demonstrable. But don't we want a bit of that in our footy? I do. Yeah, I me too. I think it makes it interesting. The only reason yes. I watched that game was because of the Nick Robertson comments. The <laughs> only reason I watched that game. I was like, A, I have to find out who this Nick Robertson is because I thought also he was Mitch Robinson. He isn't. He's a completely different guy. <laughs> <laughs> you say tomato, I say carrot. Yeah. Uh, Giants. All over. Good night. See you later. Too many injuries. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to know with the Giants. It wasn't a, a weekend that would fill you with much confidence. But, you know, they've got an opportunity against Melbourne this weekend. If they, if they manage to beat Melbourne going into the finals, they've still got some chances of momentum. And isn't it funny, too, how, like, three weeks ago, like, everyone was writing Sydney's obituary? <laughs> oh. I mean, the fact that Sydney and Hawthorne are playing on Saturday night or whenever the fuck it is, and potentially they're both going to play finals. Spot. Yeah, you're potentially like, oh. top four. You're like, what? What is happening? Do you remember four weeks ago when you and I were talking about like our dream top eight, and we were just we were being charitable, charitable by allowing Hawthorne or Sydney to maybe sneak into the finals? Oh no! I mean. It's just, you can't, this is one of those seasons though, where apart from Richmond, you just can't get a form line on no. pretty much anybody else in the competition. Like teams that have had massive injuries that you think should have fallen over, haven't fallen over. Teams mm. that were flying have, you know, fallen in a hole. Like from one week to the other, you can't really pick the form on any team in the competition. It's, uh, Mike Howell has literally just put up a message that says, we can make the top two if the Eagles lose. Like, I mean. That sucks. I mean. We it's couldn't do fair. this podcast. We're in different states. We couldn't do it without Mike Hell. But yeah. I'm starting to hate his attitude. The Hawthorne <laughs> supporter has really seeped in to him, and I'm not liking it. Well, one team that does have a great form line is the Bulldogs. What's been going on, Will, the last three weeks? You guys are giving yourself a platform to launch into 2019. Yeah, I think that what the Bulldogs really needed was uh, no actual thing to be able to achieve. <laughs> that's what's really motivated our season once there was absolutely no chance we could make the finals we started playing well enough to make the finals so it's been a really it's been a weight off our shoulders all those expectations well are you one of those people who's like oh god damn it like i want a draft pick now that we're not playing finals let's at least get someone high in the draft or, or are you all about our team needs a culture of winning 
Well, I'm I'm happy with both, Charlie, because where we are on the ladder is such an unusual position that these wins have done us absolutely no damage at all in that stakes. We're going to finish essentially in the same spot we were going to finish like a month ago, but we've had like a run of, you know, really good form and, you know, it seems like the boys are really happy and, yeah, it gives you a lot of confidence for next season. So, no, it's been good. And regardless of what happens against Richmond, um, it's been a really positive finish to the season. What do you think of the Bont issue? Getting punched in the back after clipping a dude on the jaw. Is well, all, I mean, all fair. I, should it be? Should it be? It should have just been all square, right? Like, oh, you hit him, he hit you. It's all fair. Do you think that we should be bringing in an eye for an eye policy in the <laughs> yes. NFL, Charlie? Is that your hundred <laughs> percent? Even Stevens will call it. Or if it happens to Jack Stephen, it's even Stephen. <laughs> We've um. There was a bit of debate this week. I don't know if you saw it, but it was such a clickbait, horrible uh, piece of faux journalism oh, yeah. uh, by Jay Clark in the Herald Sun where he uh, talked about the fact that the AFL had uh, consulted Waleed Ali on some rules. And mm. it turns out the AFL have consulted a whole bunch of people and it wasn't like they were asking him what the rules should be. They were just kind of explaining where they were going with their direction and briefing a prominent person in the media who's part of the sports media. But it turns out that who would have thought uh, that turned into a really racist, horrible <laughs> thing around that and all the usual sp- suspects came out and said completely ignorant things and the Herald Sun comments underneath were absolutely filthy. But it would have been great if they did consult other media people and we got a call yeah, and they were like, okay, you have consultation. We're asking everybody, all the stakeholders, what yeah. one rule would you like to bring in for next year's AFL? And Charlie's like, an eye for an eye. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the solution lo- to the gaff thing was to get Brayshaw to do the exact same thing to gaff and yeah. then they're even. You don't need exactly. a send-off rule. You just need the eye for an eye rule. And if you like that idea, strap yourselves in because we've got this great idea where one team gets to pick the best player from the other team to play in a quarter for them. Get out. <laughs> Would eye for an eye be a deterrent? So we talk about the idea of like, how do you stop these things? Mm. Do you stop something like the Barry Hall thing for happening? Like te- you know, being suspended for 10 weeks or paying big fines or whatever those things, maybe they aren't going to stop people from doing these things. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not harsh enough penalties. But if they brought in an eye for an eye, would that stop people from doing it in the first place? Uh, okay, so how would the eye for eye work? Just say something happens behind play. Like all right, and the Andrew Gaff's perfect, right? So Brayshaw gets snotted. He yep. gets carted off. Does the play then stop and Gaff has to stand there while a nominated Melbourne player goes and punches him in the jaw? Is that how it works? Yeah, but I think that like if Brayshaw is able to do it, it should be him. But he obviously wasn't in that situation. Yeah. So my first option would be you nominate somebody else but they still use Brayshaw's hand. So like, you know, kind of use him like a puppet weekend at Bernie's style, like where they right. use his hand as still, because I think it should be like, but if he's not in a position to do that, then you nominate someone of a similar size oh, and okay. sort of frame and right. they so get to do the same thing. So, so you can't get, you can't get like Aaron Sandler <laughs> to do like the uh, retaliatory punch. No, you know what? I like your idea better. Yes, yeah. you can nominate any player from your team to do it back in return. Well, you're asking, would it be a deterrent? If that was one of the rules, then I guarantee it would be a deterrent. If you could nominate any player to do the return incident, then yeah, 
the Ruckman would be picked every time and you, and you wouldn't have anyone doing shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Why, why have we re-signed Aaron Sanderland for a three-year contract? Oh, the new eye for an eye rule. <laughs> <laughs> that actually reminds me, we got a, a, a tweet um, about Aaron Sanderland. I know this is a bit, a, a bit early for Whispers for the West, but I thought this was uh, worth bringing up on the show. So apparently uh, the Fremantle players have a bit of a tradition. Um, let me just find it. All right, we're back. Uh, Mike Hal has found the article. This is uh, from Tom Morris on the Fox Footy website. The headline is Aaron Sanderland's remarkable journey to 250 games and his bizarre theme song. To the average football punter, Aaron Sanderlands is a quiet, unassuming ruckman, a very tall one at that. He goes about his business from a height that, before Mason Cox debuted a year ago, had never been seen at AFL level before. I believe they used to call him 211, Will, when he first started at Frio. Okay. Not a great <laughs> nickname, to be honest with you, but sure. <laughs> the 34-year-old who plays his 250th game this week uh, is not prominent in the media and has always preferred the background rather than the spotlight. His method has stood the test of time. But those who know him see a different man. One who has come out of his shell progressively ever since he arrived at Frio via pick 33 in the 2002 rookie draft. Oh my God, he's been playing for fucking ever. 2002. Yeah. Well, he feels like one of those stone statues has always existed. Because yeah. I also, I can't really imagine him young. Like, he's one of those yeah. people, I guess because he's so tall and we just associate height with age, but because he was so tall, so, like, I'd assume that he is older than I am, where clearly I am, like, 20 years older than him. But I just assumed it was, like, you know, like, bigger dogs, like Great Danes and stuff, only live for, like, seven years, while smaller dogs like Terriers live for, like, 15 or 16 years. I thought it was like that. Yeah, he's, like, 34, but, like, 90 in giant years. <laughs> And few understand Big Sandy better than his longtime former teammate, Matthew Pavlich, who spent most of his career alongside the boy from Mountain Baker and watched him grow into the AFL's finest tap ruckman and four-time All-Australian. Because behind closed doors, Sandlands is a cult figure at the Dockers and even has his own theme song to show for it. Uh, this is, uh... I come from the Sandlands down under. <laughs> For whatever reason, the song Black Betty by, Spaderba- by Spiderbait has always been synonymous with Big S, Pavlich wrote for the AFL Players Association this week. The lyrics go something like, Whoa, Black Betty, Bam Balam, etc. And somehow when the song came on, when we were all together, the boys started singing, Whoa, Big Aaron, Sanderlands. <laughs> <laughs> it has become this iconic legacy that our players do now if we're having a beer and that song comes on. He even gets up and does a bit of a dance too. It's humorous. Oh boy. <laughs> I bet. Wouldn't that be amazing to see 211 Aaron Sandlands dance into, oh, big Aaron Sandlands. Whoa. Big Aaron has a house. Sandlands can't fit in his house. Sandlands. Whoa, big Aaron Sandlands. Sandlands. <laughs> Speaking of legacies, Pavlich firmly believes that Sandland sits at the top of the pile, not just for Ruckman, but also players he's played alongside. Luke McFarlane, Peter Bell, and Nat Fife would rival him in that top group. In, but in terms of longevity, durability, and overall influence of the game, being a four-time All-Australian and best and fairest winner, he almost takes the cake. When he's at his best on the field, he's impossible to stop due to his size, both tapping the ball in midfielders, and when his hands are on, he's hard to spoil. Dean Cox is probably the best ruckman throughout the modern era, but Aaron sits right up there with him in my view. 
He's been so dominant and there's not too many others who have had a career like his in terms of consistency and the influence on his team. No players when he's out there more. on the field, he's hard to stop. And when he's walking down a hill, he's impossible to stop. <laughs> Mostly no through momentum. He's a massive. Sandlands. <laughs> no player has amassed more than Sandlands. 234 hitouts in a season, which have increased in part due to the new third man uproar. Unsurprisingly, Sandlands voiced his approval for the law change this week. Similarly, no player has notched more hitouts, 7,702, and hitouts to advantage, 2020, since the champion data was formed in 1999. Since 20, uh, 2007, Sandlands has won a higher percentage of hitouts than anyone else, 56.6%, well ahead of Nick Nat and Max Gorn. With these rather incredible stats in mind, Pavlich implored his friend to play on beyond 2017. So obviously this was written last year. Uh, he appears to keen to go on, but he's largely dependent on whether or not his body and mind are willing, he said. He'll be 35 years old, but that's 700 <laughs> in Sandalance years. But also, I love that his answer was, yeah, I'll go on as long as my body and my mind are fine with it. Yeah. yeah. So all of you, you mean? As long as all of you is fine to progress, both your body and your mind? He strikes me as the kind of guy who, even if his mind wasn't really into gone, his body still would. He would just lumber along the ground like Frankenstein's monster. Oh, yeah, he retired at the end of last season, but his body hasn't got the message yet. <laughs> yeah. I don't think his career will be extended too much by virtue of adjustments made to the ruck rules, but certainly helps his influence around stoppages. Sandlands will be the third Frio player to reach the 250-game milestone when he runs through the banner, blah, 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 blah. Uh, aside from being the equal tallest player in the AFL history, he's also the heaviest. Guess how heavy he is. Uh, so he's like, how many centimetres did you say he was? 211. 211. So he's going to be... Uh, 115 kilograms. Higher. 120 kilograms. Beep, 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 Bearing that in mind, it's a minor miracle he's been able to push his body through 14 seasons and counting. It's a huge, huge achievement. Speaks volumes about his durability, his consistency and influence, Pavlich said. When asked for comment, Nat Fife said, who? <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Matt, Pav- Matt Pavlich <laughs> said, I really love Darren Sanderlands because... My nose was actually in perspective with his body. <laughs> Walking to footy club, it took a, uh, a young kid from the great southern region of Mount Baker a long time to feel comfortable in his own skin. Now he has come to understand his sheer size and he uses it as a laughing point. <laughs> the reason that he, it took so long to feel comfortable in his own skin was that he had a massive body that was stretching his skin too much. So he was in constant pain for the first 18 years of his life as his skin stretched over his massive giant body. He's one of those players, too, that, like, he could have retired two years ago. I mean, Frio fans are going to love this. We don't know anyone who plays with their team, bar Nat Fife and Aaron Sandlands. And I'm going to say that one of the players I do know, I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd retired two years ago. Well, he's had some injuries, so he's been in and out a little bit. But I think that they should, if he plays again next season, which it seems like he's going to, I think every time he gets a hit out at Frio Ho Games at Optus Stadium, they should play... Oh, big as a sandlands, just as a sting. So when yeah, he gets yeah. a hit out, it's just an extra bit of excitement at the ground. Uh, do you want some whispers from the West, Will? Seeing as we're already okay. over in the West. Okay, a lot of discussion around uh, what listeners of this show should be called. Thomas uh, Alexander has gotten touch. Hey, guys, love the pod. Was thinking of uh, a name for the listeners of Two Guys, One Cup. And so he then goes on a stream of consciousness. Two Guys, One Cup, Cup and Saucer, Saucers. I don't mind it, but could get confused with sources, like sources and, say. Yeah, and Or maybe that's ma- the fun of it. We could say a source has told us, and we're actually just referring to someone who listens to this podcast. 
And I think it's also gets confused with big source merit. We don't people yeah. we don't want people to think this is a source merit podcast. A, a podcast yeah, exclusively exactly. I mean, about that the career topic of, of AFL conversation. <laughs> source big, merit. You've got no. You've always been described him as big source big merit. Source, big source merit. <laughs> uh, that, Here's a question for you, Charlie. Big source yeah. merit. Does he still play AFL or not? No. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he does, but he's also one of those players that sits in that Sanderlands sort of, uh, you know, bracket of going, if you told me he still plays or if you told me he retired two years ago, either of those answers would seem like they made sense. I think he actually retired last year because I think his last game was against the Saints. And I remember he was trying to take off heads left, right and center. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Damon James. No free source here, he yelled (laughs) as he tried to decapitate Saints players. Damon James gets in contact. Hi, Charlie and Will. Looking for a name for us listeners? It has to be the Sock Washers. I can see the merchandise now. A t-shirt that reads, I wash my own socks with a picture of your club's socks. Stubby holders with pictures of washing machines full of socks on them, captioned with property steward. And then he writes all caps, actual socks with washing and drying instructions printed on them. I mean, Charlie, if we were ever going to do merchandise for this podcast, we would have to put out a range of novelty socks. Surely yeah. that would be the one thing that we should... In fact, is that a good idea? Hit us up and let us know if you would buy a pair of Two Guys, One Cup socks. Well, do you remember when we did our grand final live show? Uh, the first year Two we did Two Feet, One Sock. We just and we had one the, sock. <laughs> we actually had listeners bring socks to the show for us to autograph afterwards. We are synonymous with socks. Uh, JD Denham has got in touch. He says, hey, fellas... Given you call Tofop listeners teabaggers, I think listeners of Two Guys, One Cup should be called cuppers. It's on brand. Plus, you have the added bonus of being able to call people who listen to both bag cuppers. <laughs> I don't well, know. I think there is some sense in this to have teabaggers from our other podcast and we could have tea cuppers. Because, like, you know, two guys starts with a tea anyway, so it would work. We could have teabaggers and tea cuppers. That's, that's a nice, simple way of remembering what people are called. Sean Delaney gets in contact and says, Hey, gentlemen, I, I, have, a, I have a listener nickname conundrum sorted in a true AFL nickname fashion. So he goes on a stream of consciousness as well. <laughs> I love it. Two Guys, One Cup is shortened to cuppers, which is extended to cup of tea, which is shortened to <laughs> tea, which is extended to tea bags. We're all the tea bags, regardless, tea bags, Delaney. <laughs> I mean, considering our other podcast, Tofop, those listeners are called teabaggers. And uh, Sean has just, by extension, arrived at the same conclusion. Maybe we should just make it simple for ourselves. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with that one. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> Will Ashley gets in contact. Hey, fellas, uh, scrolling for some Nat Fife, Nat Life, I stumbled over what seems to be his first profile before he started Nathan Fife profile on Instagram. There's only three pics, but there are some crackers. Uh, this is Nat Fife before he became the Nat Fife. It was back, I don't know what you described that haircut. It's more like uh, Oasis, kind of mod, shaggy surfer do. It's pre-Hansel, pre-Hansel Nat Fife. Well, it's the sort of photo that anybody else would be happy to have on their Instagram, but Nat Fife, who's really done a complete Nat Fife rebrand, <laughs> it's, it's essentially Mark Zuckerberg before the T-shirts. <laughs> uh, Russell Porter gets in contact, a bit more Nat Fife, Nat Life. 
There's a photo going around on the Fremantle Dockers website of the boys down at training. Uh, there's a certain uh, introvert standing in the middle of the players who are all in their training gear, shirtless, in his white tracksuit pants with his John Lennon shades on and his hair pulled back into a ponytail. I mean, it's just like a, he listens to the podcast and wants to give us content for this section. <laughs> yes. He's just a shy introvert, Will. How do you feel that like uh, Aaron Sanderlands feels about Nat Five being an introvert when Aaron Sanderlands like has played football for it turns out ninety giant years <laughs> and we don't know anything about Aaron Sanderlands, whereas Nat Five, who claims to be an introvert, is the most extroverted introvert we've ever heard of. Yeah, I I imagine if Nat Five knew who Aaron Sanderlands was. <laughs> There would be some conflict between the two of them. They're like two eleven. He's like who? Who? Andre 11. the Giant. No. Uh, Hordor. The big guy. <laughs> hey, no, you no, know I... the other day when you didn't have your shirt on at training and you walked into shade? The guy who was creating the shade was Aaron Sanderlands. <laughs> two eleven? No, no, no. I drive a Porsche nine eleven. Nikki Muir gets in contact. She says, hey, guys, I'm sure I'm not the first person to draw your attention to the fact that Nat Fife will be talking about Nat's life on Bob Murphy's show this week on Fox Footy. I did want to make sure you're aware that the blurb for the episode describes Nat as a free-thinking non-conformist. <laughs> Does not. I can only assume that Nat has written this his own intro. Big fan of all the podcasts. Keep up the good work. Wow. I mean, I'd be even more intrigued if he was a free-thinking conformist. Now, that would be a contradiction that I could really get behind. Sean Phelan writes in, Hey, guys. Firstly, I can't believe Tex Walker washes his own socks. Surely this is having some kind of negative impact on his form this season. Did that come out in a previous episode? I don't remember us touching on that. Okay. Yeah, so, it did. Yeah, we talked about the fact that Tex is wa- washing his own socks. We even suggested that perhaps the solution was for him to wash everybody's socks. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I guess we did overlook what, um, what... Who was this listener? Who was this Sean, cupper? Sean, Sean Phelan. Who was this teabagger? <laughs> so, <laughs> Sean, I'm feeling ba- you, Sean, because... The, ba- the bag we, cupper? We neglected for going in that direction, which was maybe it's the extra responsibility of the sock washing that has affected Tex Walker's form. Sean continues, I have an interesting sock whisper. Do you whisper. think there's a chance that he went on that preseason camp and they made him wash Richmond socks ah. for the camp and that has haunted him? Yeah, that's definitely what happened. Uh, Sean says, I have an interesting sock whisper from the Brisbane Raw in the A-League. During the 2015 oh. A-League season, all of the Brisbane Raw player kits, including socks, was washed by a uh by a housemate, Nick, and when he ran out of room at the club, he would hang out the player's socks on a makeshift clothesline underneath our house. He was responsible for all the team kits and was allowed three hundred and was allocated three hundred socks to share between twenty-three players for the season. Wow! In the following twenty sixteen season, Nick managed to outsource the washing duties to a charity organisation <laughs> called Orange Sky, so they'd bring in homeless people and pay them to do the laundry. Hang on, what? It was a good arrangement. So uh, the Brisbane Raw, the property steward, the the housemate uh, of the uh, of Sean, I'm assuming. See, I read that again. So the the raw the raw player kits, including socks, was washed by. I'm, I'm assuming he means my housemate Nick, right? So Sean's housemate Nick was the property steward essentially for the Brisbane Raw in the 2016 season because he had 
300 socks to wash between 23 players. He outsourced to a charity called Orange Sky where they'd bring homeless people and then pay them to do the laundry. It's a good arrangement. Now, well, that sounds- probably is a good arrangement, right? He's yeah. probably doing a public service. The homeless people are getting something Paid. in return and it's actually a really... But it does actually sound terrible. Yeah. It sounds like he's just got homeless people to wash the socks because he couldn't be bothered. <laughs> so long story short, the A-League players in Brisbane have never been responsible for their own socks. I wonder if this crosses over to the Lions. Oh, man. So maybe. Do you think something... Do you think... If this is a Queensland thing, do you think maybe when Dane Zorko was doing the, the you stink thing to Tuke Miller... What he actually was saying is, your socks stink. You should find a homeless guy to go wash your socks. I mean, is there any chance that Tuke Miller does stink because <laughs> he's been neglecting his sock washing duties? Maybe he had a tough week, didn't wash his socks. He's had to get a dirty pair out of his bag and he does indeed stink. Also, another random fact is that Nick didn't know the difference between the raw players' socks. So each game they played in someone else's socks. I find this pretty gross and would prefer to wash my own socks with that for that extra peace of mind. Anyway, keep up the sock-related gossip, fellas. Always intriguing. Cheers, Sean. Now, I Can think I ask we- this, Charlie? Yo. When it comes to... So he said the A-League. So that was a Brisbane Raw. They're not washing in their own socks. Yeah. Uh, Usain Bolt, uh, people might know, uh, is currently trialling for an A-League team, Central Coast Mariners. And... Do you think that Usain Bolt, the world's greatest athlete, is uh, at some Gosford laundromat washing his own socks? <laughs> I would imagine there's two sets of rules. There's everyone else at the Mariners, and then there's Usain Bolt. I don't think Usain Bolt. I don't think Usain Bolt would wash his own balls. I imagine Usain right, Bolt. Yeah. It's like it's like coming to America, where he just steps into a shower, and some woman's like, "Usain Bolt's balls are clean, Your Majesty." <laughs> coming to Gosford. <laughs> Uh, our last whisper from the West is from Sukai. That's two words. And that Sukai. is officially our uh, soccer content for the year. <laughs> uh, hi, guys. Thanks for another great season. I look forward to every podcast. I love the whole Sockgate thread. However, I'm now a bit confused and I feel I need a complete Sock Roundup episode with accompanying spreadsheet. <laughs> I agree. Some things, uh, something may, that may also be worth investigating is what each team gives out with their kids' memberships. For Easter this year, I bought all of my grandkids a footy club membership. That's one swan and four tigers. The swans packs, uh, packed arrive uh, in days, and it was like Christmas. There was a boot bag, key ring, hat, stickers, and heaps more. Weeks later, the tiger stuff rolled in, and it was so scabby. A plastic pencil case, like a Ziploc bag, and a note saying that we could pick up a scarf at the MCG on game day. But we live in New South Wales. I was really surprised by the difference. <laughs> My husband has been a Tiger supporter since he was a boy, and part of me feels like I'm setting up these four kids for a lifetime of disappointment when the Tigers become Richmondy again. Thanks again for all the laughs, Sue. Well, firstly, what do you get? What do you get in your Bulldogs pack each year? Well, I don't know if this is a bad thing to admit, but anyway, I've just moved house, as you know, Charlie. Well, mm. it's not just now; it's been a while. But in the process of moving house, I went through my Sydney house and I got all my Bulldogs paraphernalia together and Mm. i realized what i intended to keep was the scarves i couldn't throw out a scarf you know eventually the other stuff mostly gets cleaned out over the years like i only have one bulldog's cap even though they send me a cap i think every year but i've kept one and like the rest sort of went to you know goodwill and Mm. but i've kept all the scarves 
And so I went through and I laid them out year to year. And like some years I've got two and some years I've got four because I've got like top dogs scarves as well as like regular membership scarves. Because I buy two memberships, you know, two games every year uh, that I don't ever use. And I don't think I've ever used in the history of me going to the football, but I think I've had them for 10 years. And, um, and I get like up, up to four scarves a year. Plus if the Bulldogs come to one of my shows and then give me some merchandise. So yeah. I've cleaned it out. I've kept like 10 scarves. I think I kept one from every year, my favorite scarf from every year. And I kept extra stuff from 2016, obviously. And I kept my 2016 hat. And that's, yeah. oh, and I've got my Bob Murphy 300 hat. Yeah. I so think that's, this, that's pretty much it. The Saints had a poll a couple of years ago. It was like, hey, do you guys want all this merch? Like we get the feeling that maybe you don't want all this merch. And I think the answer must have been, a scarf will do. That's it. Because you used to get like stickers and pencil cases and all kinds of junk, key rings and stuff. And now it's literally you get your membership card and you can pick up a scarf if you want it on game day. And I'm okay with that. I did a big clean out as well. Um, I had uh, a lot of scarves and stuff, but I also had a lot of um, uh, commemorative T-shirts for like Lenny Hayes' retirement. Uh, thanks, Rui, when he retired. <laughs> so I... I imagine around Sydney now, if you see like a, a, a sudden proliferation of St. Kilda commemorative t-shirts, it's because someone went to the St. Vinnie's near me. <laughs> so some guy on the street asking for money in a thanks Rui for your service <laughs> t-shirt. Yeah. All right, Michael, can we bring up next week, uh, this week's games, next week games. The last round. The last home of the home and away season. It's been an awful, What a awful, great round where season. nothing really will happen much. No, apart from Hawthorne and Sydney. Uh, Friday night kicks off with uh, uh, the first dead rubber <laughs> of the round. It's the dead rubber round. In fact, you know, Fox footy theme their round. This should be just the dead rubber round. It should just be like, you should just see a rubber chicken with like a knife through it. It just like sags. Ooh, the dead rubber round. <laughs> Port Adelaide take on Essendon at Adelaide Oval. Uh, uh, Essendon will win that one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some mathematical possibility that if Essendon won it by enough, can they still? Or I think actually someone won and now that it can't even happen. No, it means nothing. This is a meaningless game um, of two teams that probably... This is the battle of the also-rans. This yeah. is the battle of the best team outside the finals. This is the battle of who had the more disappointing season. Who, who loaded up on mature age top-up players and fucked it more? <laughs> yeah, technically... The team who wins this game, ironically, will be the most disappointing team of the season because they'll be the ones that almost made it. <laughs> on Saturday, the Cats take on the Gold Coast uh, at their stadium. Well, they're not where, no. Is that GS? Where's... Yeah, at GMHBA. In a game well, no, that, it doesn't uh, say GMHBA. It says GS. What does that mean? Oh. Uh, Geelong Stadium? Have they changed it? Maybe. Gary Stadium. Gaz's Stadium. Gary. <laughs> yeah, that was part of the deal to get him back. One round every year, they just call it Gary Stadium. I know, Michael's confused. It is GMHBA Stadium. Gary's yeah, mate so Joel, has big arms. As we, uh, so Gary's mate has big arms. He does have big arms and he yeah, keeps kicking Tom goals. Yeah. Tom Hawkins has had an amazing season. So um, Geelong have to win this to make the finals. But Geelong yeah. will probably win this and make the finals, which means that Geelong, Hawthorne and Sydney will all be in the finals. Like <sighs> Business as uh, usual. Yeah, Geelong will win that game quite easily. Tony Cochran to have an aneurysm. 
<laughs> Rich, <laughs> Richmond to take on the Western Bulldogs at the MCG in a match that means nothing. Will Richmond put the cue on the rack or will they beat up on their crosstown rivals? Just by the way, I love the idea of uh, Tony Cochran having an aneurysm and the only sign is that he starts speaking quite normally. Yeah. And saying really rational things. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, have you noticed how Tony's making a lot of sense recently? I think he's had an aneurysm. <laughs> um, Tigers for mine. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bulldogs. Jack Higgins Bulldogs still- win that one. Bulldogs in a Jack very H- surprise. Shake Richmond up before the finals. Doggies. Jack Higgins to tell a knock-knock joke at three-quarter time. <laughs> I mean, uh, Richmond have got to be playing not to have injuries. Bulldogs final game of the year. We've been on a nice roll. Surprise victory. Richmond have got to lose one at some stage. They lose to the Bulldogs before the finals. Why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, Frio, take, or Frio take on Collingwood at up, up the stadium over in the West. Uh, I mean, yes. Collingwood's playing for top four, aren't they? Collingwood are going for top four. They've got a lot to play for. Um, Frio, the Frio have got to make a statement after last week. Like, they've got to come out and breathe some fire and show that they actually want to win a little bit. And Fife was good. He was the only thing that was good in that match at Geelong for them. But um, you've got to say that Collingwood win this, right? Yeah. Yeah, Can you imagine? This is, I can imagine that Fife is pregame address. He's like, all right, guys, pride in the jumper, pride in the purple. You, funny looking guy with the dreadlocks, make sure you handball to me. You skinny guy, whose name I don't know. Handball the ball to me. You, tubby. Tubby bitch tits. <laughs> Make sure you also hand the ball to me. <laughs> you, 455. <laughs> 316. What, what is it? 211. Back in blacky. <laughs> uh, Collingwood to win that. Yeah, I reckon the pies. Carlton take on Adelaide at Etihad Stadium. Uh, oh, I mean, again, another dead rubber. Oh, does Adelaide have a chance at finals? No. No. Nah. Can't remember. No. Nah. All over. Uh, Adelaide should win that. Should win. Sydney take on Hawthorne in the SCG. Probably the match of the round. Decides top four, I believe, uh, depending on other results. Um, See, I've written Sydney off so much this year, but then the Hawks, but then Sydney, but then the Hawks. Oh, I don't know. This is when we talked three weeks ago about... Who's going to get that last spot in the finals? I was like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to see Sydney and Hawthorne for old time's sake? Now I'm like, ah, fuck them. (laughs) I don't want them to make the finals. Um, Who do I least want to win? Hawthorne. So I'll pick the Swans. Um, I'm going to say without Buddy. If Buddy doesn't play, Hawthorne win that. Sunday night, Brisbane Lions take on the West Coast Eagles at the Gabatoir. Now this is a danger game. Lions at home, Eagles need to lock up a a, a final spot. So... I'm going to pick the Lions because I've been them all year. Oh, and we should also say congratulations to Gil, Chris Fagan, Dennis Pagan on his contract extension. Oh, jeez. Oh, guys. Oh, boy. Oh, I wasn't expecting Oh, you're going to, just going to break off a little bit for Gil. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Did you see they I, – I couldn't resist. I, the AFL website, they, they had footage of uh, – because you know when a player retires, whatever, they'll do an announcement to the players – they made an announcement that uh, that uh, uh, Chris had been his contact had been extended, and he got up and made a little speech. And I was like, "Oh, look at him, Gil, sweating away. He almost should be carrying like a briefcase with him all the time, or like a brown paper bag with lunch written on it." Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a briefcase, but if you open it, it's only got one sandwich, <laughs> and it's old and mouldy. Congratulations, Chris <laughs> Fagan. I'm going to pick the Lions, and that's my lock of the week. My last home and away lock of the week.
I I loved uh, even how he responded to the Nick Robertson Mitch, Mitch Robertson Robinson situation where he went into full gill over that. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, he was yeah. like, "Oh, we shouldn't. Uh, we, oh, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have said that. I don't, oh, that's not that's not what we want to. Oh, you said it, and I didn't like. Oh, gill." <laughs> Uh, next game is what, Michael? Uh, I pick Brisbane as well. I think Brisbane are going to win that. Um, West Coast looking a bit wobbly without Darling going into the finals. Melbourne take on GWS at the MCG. Now, this is the kind of game, even though Melbourne are in the finals, they could lose this like, and have a whole bunch of doubts going into the first week of finals, couldn't they? Uh, I don't know. I reckon you could, they can lose this now and it just Who depends cares? how they play. Yeah. Um, I think GWS actually have more to gain out of this. They need to win it, I reckon, more than Melbourne do now. So I reckon, well, it's a hard one to pick this one, isn't it? Because um, mm. GWS a couple of weeks ago looked fantastic, but I'm going to say GWS. No I just got a feeling that GWS will win this one. I had the same feeling. GWS for me as well. And the last game is the Mighty Saints take on North. North is a poor oh I burped right to the microphone. I apologize, Mike. I'll take that out. Uh, oh, geez. Dane Zorko's just burst in. He's waving his hand in front of his face. He's telling me I stink. Um, uh, disappointing end of the year for North. We're all cheering them on. Oh, we should also mention that uh, Jared Waite has retired. So we uh, no longer will we see Jared Waite play four games a season, <laughs> suspended or injured the rest of the time. Well, did you see his speech? It was such a great contrast to the two speeches because uh, Brendan Goddard, who still may play on, but he was very emotional, obviously, mm. when he spoke to the boys. He had a box of tissues and he went pretty early crying. And look, I think people forget with uh, Goddard that he went to Essendon before the suspensions of all the players. And then when that whole team got ripped out from under him, like he became captain, he led them through some really hard times. And I think he probably, in despite the fact that he wasn't there forever, I think he probably has a strong emotional connection to you know, what he did and what that club was while he was there. And so he was very emotional. And then they go to Jared Waite's speech. <laughs> and he literally said, I think one of his lines was, uh, oh, I'm happy to retire because as I proved on the weekend, still got it. Did he? <laughs> so- <laughs> That's amazing. He was, he was tweeting as he was doing his speech. Uh, yeah, sorry guys, just one sec. <laughs> That's funny. That is very funny. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it I was will... a great speech. I mean, he did his shoulder during it and punched a guy, but it was a great speech. <laughs> um, I will pick St Kilda in that game because, God, I've got to believe in something. I reckon North Melbourne will probably win that just for a bit of end-of-season pride and because St Kilda are terrible. I wonder who has won the tipping comp. We'll find out next week. Whoever has been keeping track of this shit, let us know for next week. Because I certainly What I love also is like both of us took substantial periods of time off this podcast at some stage. So it'll be, there'll be a hole in the middle of statistics. That'll be when our tipping is best. Because I think that's when you get, you get granted the away team in a tip. Is that right? When you, when you don't put your tips in? Yeah. Yeah. And Sydney have been really good for people who haven't got their tips in this year. Yeah. The Sydney have been no good at home, but they've been really good on the road. So if you're a person who constantly doesn't get your tips in, you've really been all on board Sydney. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TOFOP and kick in any amount just to keep uh, keep us on the air. You can also go to our Facebook page, Two Guys One Cup. We're also on Twitter. You can follow me at CX Clawson on Twitter and Will at Will underscore Anderson on Twitter. Is that you? Yeah, I think so. I don't yeah. actually I don't even know. Check that but, out. You know. I mean, he's Will Anderson. Just one L. You'll find yeah. him. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you got shows to promote? I do. Uh, my Will Eagle tour with Justin Hamilton doing support, Sydney Opera House, October the 13th, Pakenham, Bendigo, Noosa, Townsville, and some, uh, uh, actually a heap of other shows to come at some stage. So check out comedy.com.au. And I guess I, we should probably also say that we are doing a grand final show again this year with the guys from Junk Time um, at the Bavia, uh, I won't. I can't remember the name of the venue, so I won't say. The Bavarian, uh, the European. Is it the European beer cafe? Uh, or is it the Bavarian it was Bel- beer cafe? I was going to say the Belgian beer cafe. That doesn't. I think it's right the European. Either. The European. It? It's where we did it last time. Last year, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The European beer cafe in the city. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm in sure Melbourne. I'm sure tickets for that will go on sale uh, soon. Michael and, and Adam are handling all that. We'll keep you guys abreast of when that uh, kicks off. And uh, listen to but- their excellent podcast which oh, yeah. is uh, called Junk Time AFL Podcast. We haven't given that a plug for a while. And uh, the Outer Sanctum Podcast, again, yeah. is a really, really brilliant podcast if you want to listen to another footy podcast. And uh, if you want to see a, uh, a, a, non- a non-conformist, tune in to Bob Murphy. <laughs> Bob on Fox Footy. That's tonight. Yeah. That's actually only a few hours from now. Exactly. I'm okay. going to hit record. Got, I'm going to hit record. Right. Talk about next talk week. About next week. <laughs> Exactly. In fact, maybe we should just cut up clips from that. That can be the entire show. We can just well, be an entire episode Well, it is the bye weekend, so you've got to find things to talk about. So I say we dedicate at least half of next week's podcast to Nat Fife's appearance on uh, Nat, Bob. Nat Fife, Nat Life. I'll see if we can get some clips. Uh, play on, not 15. Bob. We are two guys, one car.